0: Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Tisha Naherne. The Finkel Report on Australia's Energy Future was meant to break the political deadlock on energy policy federally and secure the future of our electricity needs. But the federal coalition is deeply divided on the proposal, with some MPs saying it doesn't give enough priority to fossil fuels. Meanwhile, the report has also been slammed as being heavily biased towards coal and gas and is short-sighted and falling short of our Paris commitments. Touted as objective and ideologically neutral, unable to bridge political divides, the report is instead looking like an abject failure. On today's show, we critically dissect the Finkel Report, with Pat Simmons from Friends of the Earth's Yes to Renewables campaign, and Wendy Farmer from Voices of the Valley. I started by asking Pat to unpack the rhetoric of technology neutrality in the report.
1: It has a vision of a technology-neutral response to the energy system. Um, So some of the some of the things that it's looked at is basically measures to to reform the national energy system and to kind of like set out what kind of energy mix we we might need into the future so this is the language that the federal coalition has been using to describe the report um, you know the first thing to think about is that. The issue of climate change is not technology neutral. So, can we have a technology neutral, so to speak, solution to climate change? I would I would argue that we can't have that, and that you know if we're going to have even a technology neutral solution to climate change, the priority is looking at renewable energy like wind and solar, as well as other energy storage um, solutions. What this report has done has kind of treat tried to treat these as as kind of equal, um, you know by kind of ignoring the issue of climate change and not really prioritising in the report. And, yeah, looking at mechanisms to support the rollout of all forms of energy generation, whether that be wind, solar, coal, gas, nuclear. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that it appears that um, based on what's come out so far, there's been a bit of a sort of uh, attempt to sneak in measures that support fossil fuel generation under the guise of uh, kind of clean energy.
0: There's a few things that can be critiqued in Mm -hmm. in the Finkel report and you've sort of mentioned some of those. So the inclusion of of fossil fuels as Mm -hmm. a a significant part of the so-called energy mix for Mm -hmm. Australia's future, uh, which is one thing that I definitely want us to talk about. The other thing is that uh, Alan Finkel, the the chief scientist, said that this report was developed with Australia's Paris commitments uh, in mind however it's been criticized that actually what this report sets out in terms of reduction in mm-hmm. co2 emissions from electricity generation will not meet our commitments in terms of the paris accord
1: yeah that that's right so um the the only consideration of the paris climate accord is is the issue is the um the phrase around reducing our emissions i think it's Correct me the numbers. I think it's twenty between twenty three to twenty eight percent by twenty thirty. So that's the current government's current commitment on on climate change, and so that is the only aspect that the the report looked at. It didn't look, you know, beyond that in terms of a longer term view about climate change. So in the Paris um, Climate Agreement, it you know it calls on governments to to commit to reducing um, energy emissions to zero by twenty fifty. And in the, in the Finkel report, the, um, the projections about electricity um, emissions reductions are actually based on extending that out to 2070. So there's kind of two things going on here. First of all, for action on climate change, that's just crazy. Um, you know, we can't really be maintaining coal or gas in the system that far into the future. Um, second of all, there's, you know, There's strong financial arguments that you wouldn't want to do that as well. Like If if Australia wants to put itself on a path of having coal in the energy mix at 2050, we could actually leave ourselves open to international sanctions from other countries that are actually taking this issue a little bit more seriously.
0: So looking to 2050 and what what the Finkel report says about the energy mix, Uh, in one of the lovely uh, tables that it contains in the back of the report, it has... Uh, projection until 2050 and what it envisions our energy mix being based on, it gives us three models. So business as usual, if we continue to go, then uh, the Finkel reports um, clean energy targets, CET, and then another model, an energy intensity uh, scheme. So it gives us three models. Under the Finkel proposal of the clean energy target, it sees uh, Australia deriving energy from fossil fuels in 2050 so it, it sets out that it, it believes that we will still be generating electricity from fossil fuels in 2050 mm. that seems pretty crazy that is insane <laughs> and, and and it sets that under the Finkel um, clean energy target at a bit below forty percent mm. so and that that fossil fuel mix uh, including gas brown coal and black coal so mm. just under forty percent it reckons in 2050
1: yeah which is you know it, it it's a it's sort of it's sort of you know clarifies that the the findings of this report and the the uh i guess the intention of this report has to has been to create something that's palatable for the coalition's hard right at the federal level for for Tony Abbott and you know other kind of climate change d- denying um elements of the the um the liberal party, so you know like that's not really the priority for australia's energy system for the community that's not what people actually want. You know, people want to look to renewable energy like wind and solar. You know, the other question is, why Why has the report limited itself to such, um, you know, lowball kind of ideas? You know, in this country, we've got states that are actually leading the nation on on renewable energy and, and climate change. So, for example, the ACT, uh, they have a 100% renewable energy target. It doesn't mess around with trying to subsidise coal and gas. Um and that that target has bipartisan support, and and they're on track to achieve it. So you know they've used they've used some interesting um, mechanisms to, to to get there, uh, using a series of competitive renewable energy auctions. If we've got this other system that's actually working quite well at the state and territory level, why why hasn't this been modelled within the Finkel review? You know, the clean energy target is an idea that has been floated as a balloon in the last two weeks. But there's actually a whole series of other ideas that haven't actually been given the attention that they deserve within this review at all.
0: So turning then to the states and territories, Mm. you've mentioned ACT. Victoria also has a renewable energy target. Uh, different acronym from Clean Energy Target, <laughs> as uh, clean energy in the Finkel report includes nuclear and uh, so-called low-emission uh, coal generation, mm-hmm. supercritical and ultra-supercritical coal generation, uh, which all seem to be a bit pie in the sky. So where are we at with the renewable mm-hmm. energy targets of the states and territories, and what, what does that point to as an alternative?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the states are, uh, like, each of them taking slightly different approaches. The ACT kind of proved, you know, what could be achieved. Um, You know, they they use this system of competitive renewable energy auctions, you know, which basically ensures that you're getting the lowest um, cost price for new renewable energy projects. But it also ensures that investors get the certainty they need to go out and build the projects in reality. Um, So Victoria, um, you know, our campaign... We've we've led a campaign to convince the Andrews government that that's an excellent idea, whether it's you know um, communities want it or work, it's good for workers, it's good for business, and they're actually looking now to um, basically emulate the ACT and roll that out Victoria wide. So the Andrews government has set a renewable energy target of forty percent by um, by twenty twenty five. What does that actually mean? So we're gonna we're gonna see um, about. Five thousand four hundred megawatts of new wind and solar farms rolled out rolled out over the next decade um, they'll be looking to use these competitive renewable energy auctions to to get there uh, It's going to create up to eleven thousand jobs attract billions in investment to the state like it's it's a very clear uh, i guess agenda for how we actually fix the energy system. In this state, and, and move towards renewables. And I think that you know, given the the clarity around that and the the anticipation around that, it's it's a little bit bizarre that the Finkel review hasn't actually considered you know the leadership of the states and how that could actually be um, emulated at a federal level as well. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't be scared. Won't the treasurer you. knows
2: the rule on crops. It's coal. There's no word for coalophobia officially, Mr Speaker, but that's the malady that afflicts those opposites.
0: Scott Morrison there, brandishing a fake lump of coal in Federal Parliament in February this year. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. And we're talking with Pat Simmons from Friends of the Earth about the Finkel Report on Australia's energy future. So then turning back to the Finkel Review and comparing it with with the state's renewable energy targets, uh, the Finkel Review has been criticised for having quite a focus on gas, um, which is perhaps curious given the price of gas at the moment. Mm. Uh, And it's been criticised by some people as being perhaps a Trojan horse to fight back against uh, recent bans and moratoriums on Uh, onshore gas exploration especially you know uh c s g
1: yeah absolutely so you know in in some of the coverage you know you probably would have seen the federal energy minister Josh Frydenberg using using the opportunity um of the finkel review to to you know undertake an attack on the state governments for you know their moratoriums on unconventional gas as well as their as their state renewable energy targets that's really concerning um because, yeah, if you look at the actual, um, you know, I guess what the clean energy target might look like, it, it does actually allow for subsidising um, gas if it meets certain emissions, um, you know, profiles, I guess. Um, it's it's problematic on two ways. You know, long term, the goal must must be to reduce emissions in order to meet the Paris Agreement and actually act on climate change in reality. Gas you know, if you look at the emissions profile, the leakage of methane emissions, that is actually like a considered a significant contributor um to to climate change. We need to be you know reducing our emissions to zero, not kind of pretending that we can use gas as a transitions fuel. The other aspect is that you know how much of the the modeling of the Finkel review around electricity prices is based on bringing more gas into the system now the the bans on on gas at the state level, particularly victorias, those are not going to be going away anytime soon um The federal government is you know honestly they they just need to get their head around this that communities um have very very staunchly said no to unconventional gas um and those bans aren't going to be going away if they think that they can lift those moratoriums that they're, they're just in a fantasy
0: i want to change tack a little bit and and talk about perhaps bigger sort of framing ideology of this whole thing or perhaps the elephant in the room here, Mm -hmm. which is that the Finkel review is based on a current market approach, Mm -hmm. a market approach in which there's um, wholesalers, so energy generators who sell their energy to the national electricity market, Mm -hmm. to the grid. Uh, They game that and that's been proven. We saw that in South Australia. And, you know, they game that to make a profit now, electricity generation was owned by the states until you know, the last few decades where it's been progressively sold off. Is the elephant in the room the fact that that's private and that maybe a national and or nationalising our energy generation in the sense of bringing it back into state mm. or community hands might actually be a solution, that, that private operators are actually not the best people to be generating such mm. a vital resource such as electricity?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I think particularly the events of the the last eight months or so that has you know become a glaring issue. Particularly the events in South Australia where we've got you know gas companies, uh, you know, basically gaming the market, waiting until electricity prices rise, where they are sending you know they're sending gas offshore for export and then waiting till the domestic market electricity prices rise and then bidding back into the market when it's highly profitable for them um so that that is a situation that needs to be you know very strongly addressed um the, i guess the question is how how would that actually occur how how do how do public institutions kind of get back into the business of um having having a stronger stake uh, in the energy system, so you know, could could we renationalize the energy system tomorrow overnight? Uh, I think that that's perhaps perhaps unlikely, but I think it it's it's at the point now where it has to be a priority to look at, you know, public ownership and community ownership. So one one issue that I think it would be really interesting to get a little bit more attention is just around the governance of the energy system. So institutions like the Australian Energy Market Operator, the Australian Energy Market Commission, like the These are actually like private um, institutions. So the Australian energy market operator, like that's actually owned mostly by um, the energy generators. So they have a very strong stake in setting the rules of how the market operates. Um, So we're we're not even governing the energy system from public institutions. So that might actually be a, a starting point. Uh, for governments to kind of to, you know just get back into the into the world of actually setting the rules of of how the energy system works the other the other thing to look at of course is um, things like community owned renewable energy a little bit smaller and in, in smaller scale um, but you know there's around victoria that there, there are a number of different community groups who are talking about you know turning their town one hundred percent renewables. Um, they're looking at innovative schemes where they basically you know like roll out um, sort of bulk buy schemes to buy solar panels and then use the savings to reinvest in more projects so there are these newer models that are that are kind of developing for communities to take back a little bit control of their power um yeah it kind of depends on your ideological perspective but the way I see it is that you know we kind of need to have a mix of different institutions, um, you know, having having control over the energy system. But the yeah, the last I think the last ten months has really um, demonstrated that the the fully privatised energy system is is a failure, um, whether it's for action on climate change um, or you know electricity bills for consumers.
0: Uh, picking up on that in terms of community generated power, I guess that shows the way that renewable uh, energy technologies perhaps lend themselves quite readily to a more decentralised model of energy production, which can also uh, align quite nicely with a community or collectively owned power generation versus the older model of, you know, if we have our big power mm. generators such as Hazelwood not really possible for a community to build their own
1: coal-fired power station. I don't think any communities are looking to set up um, community-owned coal power stations at this point or community-owned gas power stations. I haven't heard of any of those proposals just yet. Maybe Corey Bernardi will put one on the cards. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, you know, absolutely, like... uh, the future in terms of the energy system is leaning much more towards a decentralized system. So there's this myth of kind of baseload energy that goes around that politicians often like to fling around as a kind of dog whistle for for coal and gas. Um in in the if you talk to any any energy experts often they will say well like in the future of the energy system is moving away from that where we kind of generate the majority of the energy from wind and solar. And then you kind of have a mixture of um, rooftop solar, community energy, micro grids, um, home battery systems, where, you know, like the energy grid is kind of managed um, across all of those decentralized um, forms of generation and storage. So communities have a role to play in that, particularly in places where, um, you know, that are end of the grid. So, you know, for example, like at the moment, if if a town is at the end of the grid, the the state government actually subsidises, you know, the electricity costs of um, sending that energy out to a much further location. So it's it's actually a, a net cost to to taxpayers. Um, if you could say, you know, basically get those areas to be set up with, you know, like a large amount of um, renewables and energy storage or some form of form of microgrid they could actually become exporters back to the rest of the energy system that would that would actually save, you know, all energy consumers quite a bit of money. So, you know, there's strong arguments from a kind of like people taking back control of the energy system and being involved with it. Um, many, many people want to do that. But there's also some, some pretty decent economic and engineering arguments for why that's a good idea as well.
0: Pat Simmons from Friends of the Earth's Yes to Renewables campaign. Check out the Friends of the Earth website to get involved with a campaign near you. Wendy Farmer is the president of Voices of the Valley, a community group that has been campaigning for a just transition away from coal for the Latrobe Valley in Victoria. The Finkel report suggests mandating a three-year notification period for power station closures. To avoid situations such as that of the recent Hazelwood closure that left workers and the local community of Morwell little time to adjust. I asked Wendy for her take on this.
2: Look, I think, you know, any time that a community has to put in a just transition is really important. Uh, the the Finkel, Finkel Report takes about three years of, the, you know, um, planning for that transition. But I think the communities now know that coal will end. Coal isn't going to be in the mix for uh, forever, even though it will be in the mix for a little while longer still, because we still need it until we get those renewables you know, up and off the ground in real projects. I think for a community like ours, three years isn't even enough. By saying three years isn't enough, I'm not saying let's keep um, power stations going longer than needed. What I'm saying is we must start transitions now. Transition isn't something that happens overnight. It doesn't happen in three years. It would take 10 years or more. Why are we just talking about, well, we may have to... That proper
0: transition, when we we could just do it. And voices of the, of the valley and and the Latrobe Valley communities that that you work with, actually uh, did put together a transition plan for Hazelwood and La Trobe. and for the Latrobe Valley before the announced closure of Hazelwood last year. Now that was that was a sort of a long consultative uh, community uh, process, wasn't it?
2: It was, and um, Voices of the Valley has been talking about transition for about three years. When we started speaking about transition, we actually weren't allowed to speak about transition, like, don't speak about it, it's not going to happen, we're going to have these power stations forever, even though we've known that Hazlitt has been on its last legs for a long time. So it was a real contradiction in what we were pushing, but we continued to push because we knew that we had to have government attention for the Latrobe Valley for when something happened or for when a power station closed. Well, unfortunately, it was in a shorter time frame that we had thought. We really wanted to create a transition plan that created jobs and created hope for a community that already felt displaced and left behind.
0: Now, the transition plan that Voices of the Valley put together really was, you know, you could. Quite genuinely, a grassroots and, and sort of bottom up transition plan. Do you fear that this three year mandated kind of notification period that Dr. Finkel is recommending in his report, uh, it, it doesn't state anything about the about transition plans coming from the community about you know about that sort of process. What what are your fears about what it could end up looking like for other communities?
2: Well, I think. That's where Dr. Finkel actually missed the point. He didn't go to communities that would be affected by transition, by, affected by closure, affected by the arguments and the unknown um, where we're going in the energy sector. So he really missed that opportunity to go to grassroots people, grassroots communities, and especially coal communities, and see what they needed. Rather, it was another report to tell communities. This is how it will be done. Communities are fed up with that. Communities have been disempowered for so long because they've been told, this is how your community will take what we're going to give you. We're seeing all over Australia and we're seeing it over the world where communities are standing up and saying, we want to take power back into our own hands and we want part of that to be owned by our own communities.
0: Speaking of which, some of the proposals uh, that Voices of, of the Valley uh, have put forward in, in your transition plan was very much about community-owned initiatives and jobs being generated from community-owned initiatives?
2: Oh, absolutely. And the reason that we, we put that in there and you know, really discussed that is we're sick of international companies owning what is in our backyard. We saw the Hazelwood Mine Fire happen The power stations weren't in a state that they were when they were sold to private companies. Private companies are there for their shareholders. They're there to make money and they're not really there to look after communities. So, and we saw that with the Hazelwood closure, you know, five months. Basically the guys were told one day that they were going to have work until 2025. The next day they were told they would have five months work left. We're closing the power station. A company that is owned by community speaks to the community, works with the community and looks at what is best for the community. International companies
0: don't care. Wendy Farmer from Voices of the Valley. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Tisha Naherne. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au earthmatters. The song you've heard on today's show is Jesus will kill you by Anoni. You can buy her music online. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country. And just a note on this, Earth Matters doesn't exist in a vacuum. We rely on the support of community radio stations such as 3CR, so support your local community radio station and donate to them today. You can contact us on 03 9419 8377, via email on earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. I hope you can tune in next week for more Earth Matters. What's your
2: legacy? What's your legacy?